Hi, everybody, and welcome to Coach's Corner. I hope that you are feeling some joy (laughs) and peace at times. You know, we're going through such a transformative time. There's a lot of really important, big, and often heavy issues that we're facing. And I just want you to know that it's still okay to laugh. It's still okay to dance. It's still okay to hug. It's still okay to be creative and have fun. That doesn't mean we're going to put our head in the sand and ignore the issues that need to be addressed. However, we want to make sure that we're not getting too heavy with the heaviness (laughs) because how we change is through love and through insight and through inspiration. And so give yourself, if you haven't already, full permission to do something really, really fun that makes you laugh, that brings you joy today. Today, I have an awesome guest joining me. I've gotten to know her in the last few weeks and love her work around mindset. Her name is Topsy Vandenbosch, and she works with female entrepreneurs who are struggling with toxic negative thought patterns negative thoughts and beliefs that are preventing them from showing up and making bank in their business. And I think all of you can relate to that, whether you're female or an entrepreneur, we all have those toxic thoughts, those negative thoughts that really get in our way. And what Topsy specializes in is helping women who are ready to lead their business with fearless confidence and make a bigger impact. She's also a clinical therapist and uses her training as a therapist to dig deep with her clients to shift their mindset and consequently shift their life. One of the things that Topsy and I speak about towards the end of the interview is the masterclass that she just hosted on bridging the gaps to spark intentional change in regards to diversity and inclusively in the online coaching space. And if you want to grab that, the replay of that, I put the link in the show notes. So you can just head on over to the show notes and grab the link there. Before we dive into the interview, I want to share a gift idea that will make this Father's Day really special for your father or husband or man in your life. So sometimes finding the perfect present for a man, especially a dad, is tough, especially if you don't have the luxury of celebrating Father's Day in person. I'm very lucky that now we live in Austin, Texas, and I'll get to see my dad. And one of the things that I love doing with my dad is sharing stories, sharing memories, sharing stories. And I know that parents just love that. That's why I am giving, and you can give to your dad or man in your life, the most meaningful gift this year, a chance to connect with loved ones through StoryWorth. I really love StoryWorth because who needs more stuff, right? It's all about collecting memories and stories and pictures That's what matters most. And StoryWorth is a fun and meaningful way to engage with family, especially with relatives you might not get to see very often. It's an online service that helps your loved ones share stories through thought-provoking questions about their memories and personal thoughts. It's the gift of spending time together wherever you live. Every week, StoryWorth emails your family member different story prompts, questions you never thought to ask, like, what have been some of your life's greatest surprises? What's one of the riskiest things you've ever done? Or what are you really learning during this transformative time? Reading the weekly stories is a fun way to make your family feel close, even if you're not together. 
After a year, StoryWorth will compile every answered questions and photo you choose to include in a beautiful keepsake book that's shipped for free. I know that my family will treasure this forever and so will yours. So here's your call to action. Give your dad or that special man in your life the most meaningful gift this year on Father's Day with StoryWorth. Get started today without the need for shipping by going to StoryWorth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash over it. You'll get $10 off your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash over it for $10 off. And now on to my interview with Topsy. Topsy, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you so much for having me, Christine. Super pumped. So we're going to dive into all kinds of things. We're going to dive into mindset. We're going to dive into how to be an entrepreneur with a great mindset and how we can really all work together to shift our consciousness so that we work better together. So we've got a lot to cover. Yes, we do. (laughs) I wanted to start, I wanted to start a little bit with your story because you are the, uh, sort of the avatar of so many of people that listen, someone who feels a call to go and do something else, but is scared feel safer and more the corporate structure where your, your quote unquote security is in someone else, but felt this calling to do something else and had to work through her own mental blocks to get there. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about your journey, about how you went from like the safety, got to do what I need to do to really doing what you Mm -hmm. love. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. So, um, hi everyone. So I'm Topsy Vandenbosch and I am a mindset coach for female entrepreneurs. So I help female entrepreneurs discover, identify, and crush their toxic negative thought patterns that really prevent you from being able to make bank in your business. Mm -hmm. And I have been doing this since 2017. I've been in the online space, specifically calling myself an online mindset coach since 2017, which let me tell you, it was hard. It was so hard to call myself a coach. And I don't know what it is. I think it probably has a lot to do with my previous perception of what coaching was and what it, and I, and honestly, I didn't have a ton of uh, insight until, I would say probably a year before I was like, okay, like I am a coach. Um, I needed to really re like look at the way I viewed life coaching, the way I viewed, Mm. I had to really just like dig deep into my own biases as a clinical therapist. I've been a clinical therapist, mental health therapist since, since, uh, man, 2011. So it's been quite some time. And I think the therapy field has come such a long way, Mm -hmm. but we still have a long ways to go. And there are many therapists that do feel threatened by the coaching industry. And there is a lot of misconceptions regarding the coaching industry. But I do think that comes from the pain of feeling, you know, as therapists, and I have a social work degree specifically. Mm. So just really feeling undervalued and underpaid, right? And so when you hear about these coaches, it doesn't matter who it is. It could be a Tony Robbins. It can be whoever. And they're being paid thousands of dollars for like, you know, whatever, like an hour of their time. I do think that that brings up pain in people. Mm. And so I had to confront that myself, just calling myself a coach and what that meant and how I was going to, you know, explain it to my colleagues who were very, they, you know, we all had the similar training. And so it was like, okay, you know, you're deserting what is going on. And so I really, and I didn't know anyone that was doing what I was doing online. And so I remember Googling 
So 20, 2017, I had had my private practice since 2016. And so I was just Googling mindset coach and I legit thought I made that up. Like I thought I was so, (laughs) I was like, yep, I'm going to be a mindset coach for female entrepreneurs. And I was so heartbroken when I saw that my, um, well, that my then coach, um, she became my coach, uh, Kate, Kate Krakow. She was a mindset coach and was also had a back, also had a background of, um, being a mental health therapist. And I was Mm. like, Oh, I'm going to hire her. And I didn't know anything. I didn't know about how, you know, um, expensive or what an investment it was. I had no idea. I just knew I needed to do what she was doing. And from then it was history. But the reason why I decided to work for myself, um, was just because I think corporate is incredible and it taught me so many things and I would not be the coach that I am without that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I think it just really helped shape me. It really helped me, um, position myself. And, um, and being able to get into rooms that maybe I otherwise wouldn't have been able to get into. And Mm so I'm very thankful for my corporate experience, but I do think that it was very stifling. I think that I felt like I lost my voice. I felt, and I worked at the prison for about nine months, Mm. uh, a men's prison, nine months before I went into private practice. And that was probably one of the best and one of the most traumatic experiences of my life. I became a whole nother person. Just, I was just mean. I was a bitch. Mm. Like I was such a bitch and I, and not to the clients on my caseload, nothing like that. It was really because the prison environment, until you work there, you just have no idea what it's like. Mm. And so it was, very oppressive and um, very bureaucratic, very patriarchal, all of the things. And um, I remember one of the things that I was told when I got hired in at the prison was, you can't wear that, you can't wear that, you can't wear that. And I just felt very objectified. And it was a shitty feeling to just be, I felt like every day I would joke with my colleagues and we would just talk about how I wore like a painter smock every day. Like I just felt shapeless, like literally felt like if I showed an inch of skin and arm, you know, that Mm -hmm. I was, you know, in any way trying to, you know, just be dressed appropriately as a woman Mm -hmm. at the prison. And it was just a shitty feeling. And so I just remember feeling very oppressed and I had been feeling that way for a while. And I just really felt like, you know, sometimes there were situations where some of the agencies I worked in, I felt like, oh my God, like I am smarter than my supervisor. Like how in the hell is this possible? And I was like, you know, I really have to dig in deep. Like, am I actually smarter or am I just rebellious? Mm. (laughs) And and I do think it was more so um, rebellion. I don't like being told what to do. I don't like being told, um, I don't like uh, being chastised for things. Mm. I don't, Joy, and no one does, right? Right. I don't right. enjoy being held in the confines of what a nine to five job thinks I should be doing. And so I just really rebelled against the system. And I knew that I'm going to end up working for myself by hook or by crook. I don't mm-hmm. give a shit how this happens, but this is going to happen. So I have worked in many industries. I've worked as a substance abuse therapist. I have worked with adult men. I've worked with teenagers. I have worked with children. I have done therapy with kids. Um, didn't enjoy that, but um, I enjoyed the kids, if that mm-hmm. made sense. Yeah. 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 I imagine that's very, very heavy. 
<laughs> to do that is, with little ones. It yeah. is. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, and you know, a lot of the kids, they're, they're not as verbal as, you know, teenagers right. are, adults are. So it's just a different part of my brain that I didn't enjoy exercising. Yeah. And yeah. so I've worked with older adults and I've just worked with a ton of populations. And I was like, and I worked in the juvenile justice system. And I was like, you know what? I have done all the things. I have my school <laughs> social work certificate. Like I literally have done everything possible that I wanted to do and that I was interested in. And I've seen what the, what there is out there. I know what the pay is like. I've applied to work at the, you know, at the veteran affairs. I've applied to work there. I know where I'm capped at and I'm not interested in this anymore. Yeah, and so yeah. Uh, so anyways, I got presented with an opportunity to work at a group practice and I did that for a while and I ended up, you know, establishing my own practice. And from then on, it was history and it's just been a wild ride. And <laughs> Entrepreneurship is. And there's a, there's a, there's a couple things I want to circle back to. Sure. I want to circle back and talk about imposter syndrome, even though you didn't directly yeah. mention that. Well, I, wanna, I did have it. <laughs> yeah. I want to circle back to why women become bitches when we keep ourselves in oppressive environments. And I, I also want to ask you, so with the years of ble- being a therapist and working with people, I imagine that you saw like maybe limits of therapy, um, that made you want to be a mindset coach. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Of course. Yes. So what I was seeing was I was getting an influx of people that wanted to work with me and the therapeutic capacity, but the things they wanted to address were not clinical in nature. So they weren't things, yes, I could have, you know, technically could I have worked with them and maybe diagnosed them with like, you know, adjustment disorder. Um, sure. But I didn't feel good about that because the nature of what they were talking about was coaching. And I was like, I don't provide that. Like, yes, therapy, like is, you know, it's very much has coaching principles and yeah, like that's true. But I just felt like there was this gap of Mm. people that I was missing who were like, I don't identify as having clinical depression or Mm. clinical anxiety or needing to address anything of a clinical nature. I just really struggle with, you know, confidence and I struggle with self-esteem and I struggle with, you know, like fears and uh, mindset blocks and limiting beliefs. And I don't really connect with, you know, those topics that are addressed typically in therapy. So, um, what else can you offer me? And I was like, nothing, (laughs) (laughs) I can offer you anything. Um, and so I think for me, it was like, there was a subset of people that were falling through the cracks, so to speak, that I just knew that they, they could benefit from having somebody as their coach who would help them bust through those limiting beliefs so that they can make more money in their business while still honoring the fact that this is, this isn't therapy. This Mm. is coaching and it's a totally different process. And I can still, you know, I could still use my skill set in a different way where, you know, I'm not violating any ethical codes and it's this whole separate business. And I know exactly, you know, who my ideal client is. I know Mm -hmm. exactly how to, you know, determine whether or not someone's a good fit for coaching Mm. or therapy. And I think that that is one of the biggest things I think that was difficult for me to just really talk about is that I know what I'm doing. 
Like yeah. I know what I'm doing and I needed to invest in a mentor to help me further flesh that out because this is just still something our field is behind in. And so I was like, you know what, like I'm going to figure this out and it's going to be bumpy, but I'm going to do my best and it's going to be great. And yeah. it's been awesome. So I just noticed I really wanted to serve more ambitious women who were entrepreneurs And I was already serving women who were in their careers, ambitious career focused women in my therapy practice. And I did serve um, female entrepreneurs who struggled with depression and anxiety, but I wanted to reach people who didn't identify as struggling with that, nor did they want to come to me for that. And so I found it like just so beautiful to be able to mesh my love for mindset and mental health and be able to mesh that with something that wasn't clinical in nature. It was just purely life shit. Yeah. 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 You know, it's life shit. Like I want to, you know, I'm struggling with wondering whether or not someone's going to purchase my services and okay, let's talk about it. Yeah. And let's go get into those action steps. What are you going to do? You know, what are we going to do? How do we, you know, I can coach you through that and Mm -hmm. let's, let's do it. And Mm -hmm. so I found that to be just so, so like, rewarding. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. So I love this because in your sharing of this topsy, you're giving everybody permission to be in their zone of genius because you I'm sure are an incredible therapist can sit there with an inmate or a child or yeah. an elderly person and serve them. But is it the highest and best use of you? You found no, you found right. your, your highest and best use was somewhere else. And I think that that's important for all of us to know about ourselves is that just because we're, you know, we went one direction or we went and got a degree in one direction doesn't yep. mean we have to stay there that it's okay to adapt and go and follow what we love. And I think this is where mindset is so important. So how would you, because I don't want to put words in your mouth, how would you define mindset? Ooh, mindset is like you're just your driving force behind why it is that you do what you do. When I think about my pivot, it was literally all my mindset. Like if, like if we have a very fixed and rigid mindset, if we don't understand the limitations or the options that we have when it comes to our choices, it's going to be very, very difficult to do anything new, to branch out and do anything different. So I really believe that your mindset AKA your, your thoughts, the way that you process things, the way that you see things, the way that you view things. If you are able to identify what you actually believe, your driving force behind why you believe it, then I truly believe that you'll be able to, you know, bust through those limiting beliefs that have been holding you back. Everything Mm -hmm. goes back to what you believe. What do you believe to be true? Yeah. It's so true. If you believe that you're sick, you continue to be sick. If you believe that you can't make money, you continue to be broke. Yeah. 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 And I think that we can apply this to to the racism conversation that's going on. I mean, so much of it is fixed beliefs, fixed beliefs that people have that you have to be willing to challenge, like really, really challenge and and dig deep for those. And I've never worked with a client where I haven't looked at mindset because it doesn't matter how much knowledge a person has. It matters what they think every day. So you could yeah. have a lot of information. And I, this is where a lot of my audience gets stuck is they have a lot of awareness about personal development, but they yep. can't 
quite get the mindset piece. Like they can't mm. get the groove of thinking in the way because they've got so many synaptic highways and neural nets yep. fixed on their limiting beliefs. And so it's challenging to, to shift gears and mm-hmm. have their, their repetitive thoughts match their information and their awareness. Yeah. So I'd love if you maybe just give us one or two tips on mindset practices, things that people can do to get those neural highways firing yeah. in a different direction. For sure. So one of the things I instantly think about is what exactly is it? Are you, you know, what exactly is it? If this is, if this is you, if Christine just described you, I'm talking to the listeners, what exactly is it that you're, who are you surrounding yourself with? Are you, what are you listening to? Because a lot of it has to do with our environment as well. So if you are surrounded by people who think like you, who talk like you, who make decisions like you, why would anything change? If everyone around you says, yes, 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 you're right. I agree. I agree. If you have yes people around you, nothing's going to change. Nothing is going to change. Nothing's going to be different. So I think that's also the first thing is to really look at how does our environment impact the way that we think and the way that we believe? Mm. Where do you live? Do you live somewhere that isn't super diverse? Can you get the hell up out of there? You know, like, (laughs) I mean, let's like, let's solve that. Let's solve just a small piece of that problem. I think that environment encourages a lot of the things that we believe and a lot of the things that we think. So, because I like to look at things from like a biopsychosocial, you know, type of way. So I like to look at the biology, the psychology, and just the social environment that you're in. So that's the first tip. You know, that's like the first mindset shift I have is make sure you're not surrounding yourself with yes people. Make sure you're not continuing to do the same thing expecting different results. So if you really want to adjust and change the way that you are looking at certain topics or certain people, surround yourself with those people. Surround yourself with people. Surround yourself with people that are different than you and your whole life will change. Mm -hmm. Everything will shift. But if you keep doing the same thing you've been doing, nothing's going to be different. Put yourself in that uncomfortable situation because in doing that, you are basically, you're teaching your brain that this is, this is, this is the way I'm going to be doing things from right from now on. This is what I'm going to be doing. You're making it normal normalizing it. So putting yourself in those uncomfortable situations are going to be huge. I think the second thing as well, when it comes to changing like a rigid, you know, like a rigid mindset, I think not allowing those thoughts to take up space. A lot of us are not very good at thought interruption. We're really good on, we're really good at perseverating and focusing on a thought. And so when we do that, when we're doing that, you're not sending that message that you want to do anything different. So what if the next time your brain wanders, what if you decided to interrupt that thought pattern? Mm interrupt it, interrupt it with literally anything, but make sure you do that constantly. You have to do that constantly because that's the only way things are going to change is if you have no tolerance of it, validate it, acknowledge it, but then interrupt it. A lot of us just sit, sit in our thoughts and we just act like our brain, you know, controls us when we control our brain. Yeah. Yeah. That interruption is so important because then it breaks the, it breaks the pattern, yeah. slowing our thoughts down. And let's, yeah. let's circle back to imposter syndrome. Cause I'm wondering if when you Google mindset coach, 
you you had that feeling for a moment of wait, there's so yes. many other people out doing this. Who yes. what what will I contribute? Who am I to XYZ? How can we apply mindset to imposter syndrome to break through that? Because I know that limits so many people. Mm, yeah. I think the biggest thing with imposter syndrome is, so I like to, in my work, I have a, I have a mini course called slay your imposter monster. Oh, I and love that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it's, it's like one of as trademark now, but it's, well, I think, yeah, it's trademark. I think that's the right word. I put TM next to it. My lawyer told me I could do that now, but um, <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like such a big girl, but, um, <laughs> slay your imposter monster. So in that course, I literally talk about I literally talk about exactly this, but I can definitely give you guys some of the things that I know have worked when it comes to imposter syndrome. So when it comes to the imposter monster, I like to personify my fears. I like to personify it because it makes it less scary. And, and when I used to work with children that worked, that worked like making feelings into a particular animal made it fun. It made it not so scary. Mm, I love and that. It, yeah. And so when I used to work with kids, um, my colleague thought of this. I did not make this up, so I can't take credit for it. But um, I used to do this group program that my colleague is the one that started it. And it's called Butterflies, Bats, and Bears. <laughs> and it's such a cute, it was so cute. But really what it was, was teaching kids how to deal with their emotions. So butterflies was anxiety. Um, bats, I believe, was fear. And then bears was anger. And we just worked on coping skills on how to deal with it. So we just normalized the emotions and we just talked a lot about how to deal with it. And so when it comes to imposter syndrome, I named it the imposter monster because of that exact reason. It just makes it seem as if, you know what, like you don't have control over me and I can tell you to get the fuck on at any time, like go away. Don't need you here. You're not invited to the party. So that's been really powerful for people. So the imposter syndrome doesn't just like fuck up your whole day because it doesn't have to. Right, right, it's, right. It's gonna come up when you're doing anything brave, you know. So what I would say when it comes to imposter syndrome is number one, what is actually true? What is the evidence for what it is that you're feeling? So for instance, I'll use myself as an example. When I Googled mindset coach and I thought I made the term up and then I saw there were all these amazing coaches that had been doing this work for a long time. <laughs> you know, my first thought was, oh God, like, is there any room for me? Mm, yep, yep. Yeah. You know, there it is. Yep. <laughs> is there any room for me? So the biggest thing is what's the evidence for that? Is there evidence that there isn't any room for me? No. There isn't because there's so many women that are already doing it and that we're killing it. Right. So that alone just just completely debunked that belief. Um, so I think the biggest thing is what is the evidence for it? And what's, what's the situation that's surrounding it? What is causing what's the trigger? Because oftentimes we don't often realize why imposter syndrome is showing up. We just think it's just here and this is just the way it is. And maybe this means something. And yeah. what is, what was the triggering point? What triggered the imposter syndrome to show up? What triggered it? What's the actual evidence? What's actually true? Those are all the questions that I ask myself when imposter syndrome shows, shows up. Cause if it's not showing up, then we have a problem. Yeah. It's either a, I've already defeated it. And so I got to wait till we get to the next level of me doing something uncomfortable for it to show up again, or B, I haven't done a thing. <laughs> <laughs> haven't done anything that's uncomfortable. 
Right. Right. Been in my, I've been in my comfort zone the whole time. So those are some of the questions that I like to ask when it comes to imposter syndrome, because I think a lot of the time we take our, we make our feelings the facts. Yeah. Um, on my platform, I talk a lot about feelings aren't facts. Yeah. Just because you feel something doesn't make it true. Yeah. I love that. And just because you're uncomfortable doesn't mean stop. Yes. Yeah. 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 There's, there's some situation that, that applies like in a massage, yeah. if you're not uncomfortable, oh, yeah, yeah, stop, for but, sure. but Absolutely. in, in, when it goes for going with your dream, for your dreams, that uncomfortable feeling that comes from self doubt and that impos- imposter monster coming up, yeah. those are, those are the times to just, I don't like, I like to say, love ourselves through them. You know, just love, love ourselves through them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I personally don't like being pushed, so I try not to use that word too much, but for sure, pull ourselves for sure. through them or love ourselves through them. That's so good. That's so yeah, good. I love that. Um, the other thing I wanted to circle back to was how you said that you were became a bitch or acting like a bitch when you were in an environment that was oppressive and that you weren't happy in. And I think yeah. that's such a thing for women is that we go into that bitchiness or irritability and it's, it's an alarm system that we're not listening. We're Mm -hmm. not listening to our, our heart and our inner wisdom. So Mm -hmm. why do you think that Mm. women often have a hard time listening and Hmm. to themselves and doing what they want and instead stay in situations where they just become angry, resentful, sometimes even depressed? Mm. I think so from what I observe, I think a lot of it has to do with conditioning, right? So a lot of women, we're not really conditioned that we can do whatever we want. We're Mm. told that we can do whatever we want, but when we get out in the corporate world, we realize that the, you know, the glass ceiling is still there. (laughs) And so (laughs) how do you break through that glass ceiling, glass ceiling when women and men are not still not paved the same. So I think that that's part of it is conditioning and just really feeling like you're stuck. Mm-hmm. I think I would say also like family, I would say family history. I know I come from an, I'm, I'm West African. So I come from, um, I'm a first generation, um, Nigerian immigrant to the U S. And so I come from, um, an immigrant family who busted their ass mm. to be here And, um, I think that just subconsciously there's, you know, there's just always been that pressure to, Mm. um, get a good job and entrepreneurship just wasn't something that I was pushed into doing for, I think a lot of good reasons because they, they were doing the best they could and they wanted me to get a college education, which I'm very thankful for. But I do think that that was another piece of it is that I was wanting to still, subconsciously, I think, please them, not wanting to disappoint them, you know? Um, so I think that there's conditioning, there's family history stuff. I think there's like fear, just not, you know, just not wanting to screw up, not wanting to disappoint people. So I think it all comes down to people pleasing. Yeah. A lot of it, a lot of it. I feel too women um, undervalue themselves a lot. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so when oftentimes we project security into a job where we get a paycheck versus yep. really stepping out on our own and knowing that we can provide our own security financially. And I know another thing that you're really good at coaching, especially female entrepreneurs, at is with their wealth mindset. 
Yeah. And um, I'd love for you to just riff a little bit on that, on how we can break yeah. through these blocks of one, undervaluing ourselves and two, believing that our security doesn't rely in some institution or paycheck outside of us. Yeah, absolutely. So I love to talk about money. I probably don't talk about it enough on my platform, to be quite honest, but I know with my coaching clients, that's something that always comes up with the women that I work with is just this fear that people aren't going to pay their prices and just this fear that their, their investment isn't worth it. And a lot of it comes, comes from the corporate, corporate conditioning. And so I really think that when we become entrepreneurs, it's like this, this, uh, corporate has serves a lot of amazing purposes, but you have to shed whatever you thought you knew about money. Because I think that the corporate world as amazing as it is, it still is very oppressive and you have to be willing to let go. Mm. of your previous beliefs and the ways that you looked at investing mm. and that you looked at money. Because when you become an entrepreneur, and this is just from my experience and being a outpatient mental health, you know, outpatient private practice therapist, it is unacceptable to me that we are paid so little. Yep. And it, it's not enough to pay off our loans it takes, you know, 20 years sometimes, <laughs> depending on how many loans you have. It's not enough to be able to afford, you know, luxury vacations multiple times a year, maybe once if you're lucky. <laughs> yeah. um, it's just abhorrent. And so I think one of the biggest things is being able to realize that what you learned about money from your corporate job may not apply when you become an entrepreneur. Yeah. And it's almost relearning and redefining your relationship with money, your yeah. relationship with how you charge people. Because one of the biggest things I hear women say is that number is ridiculous. It only takes me two hours to complete this. You know, let's see, let's say I'm working with a done for you service provider mm -hmm. and, you know, they say like, I, you know, so-and-so charges this much and I can't believe that. Like I can only charge this much because it only takes me like an hour and it breaks my heart when I hear things like that, because those are the things I used to say in corporate when I needed my freaking computer fixed, yeah. right? And like a computer tech guy, you know, wanted to charge a hundred bucks by the hour. Maybe he owns his own business. And I remember in my head, I would think this is only going to take you 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> How can you charge me for 15 minutes? But now I just, oh, I'm so like, I guess I wish I knew then what I knew now. Yeah. That you yeah. are not paying people for 15 minutes. You're not paying people for an hour. You're paying people for the years and the sweat and the education and the, all the things, all the time it took for them to be able to do that yeah. in that 10, 15 minute gap. Cause what took them 15 minutes would have taken me 15 hours. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like yeah. let's keep it 100. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I think for the biggest thing I want to tell the listeners, the men, the women is to really, when you become an entrepreneur, or if you are an entrepreneur, stop looking at corporate as your guide, because it can't be, yeah. it can't be. 
Cause it just, it, that's not the, per, that's not, it's a whole different ecosystem. It's a, a whole, whole different, different ecosystem. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what a lot of people are doing is they go back to, well, this is how much I was making Yeah. in corporate. I made 30 bucks an hour and that was good money, but then that was taxed and all of that. So then they become an entrepreneur and they get frustrated yeah. because like, how come this isn't working? And it's because your payment model isn't working. Right. It can't work, you know? So that's like, I think that that's, that's what I would want to tell people is that that's not going to be your example. Yeah, it can't. It can't be. And the self worth piece as well, like getting through a lot of those mindset blocks that still yeah. have you in, I'm not enough, or I have to work yeah. really, really hard to make money, or yeah. You know, I I hired uh, someone to help me with something recently, and when mm-hmm. she emailed me her hourly rate, I called her up and I'm like, girl, no, mm-hmm. no, you this see? is too low. I, I you have yes. to raise your rate because she was so undervaluing herself. Uh, and I said, why are you at this rate? Cause I was really curious. Yeah, I was yeah. like, why are you, why are you at this rate? I, I, I mean, I haven't known her that long, but I know she's an MSW. Um, she's, oh, wow. you know, yeah. and, um, she said, well, that's just what I've been charging. That's just what I thought. And oh. I, I was like, all right, so you, you're getting a raise. <laughs> <laughs> getting her face. Yeah. Like this isn't going to work. And I related to it because I know when I started, I was trying to base my business on, you know, one, like, will people hire me and insecurity and really wanting to devalue myself? Yeah. Cause I think that, that we had another conversation with an entrepreneur who we had over Monday night, um, who did some services for us and he did it all. And we're like, okay, we're going to give you a big tip we, cause you're awesome. And because sure. we think you're not charging enough, sit down, let's have a conversation. And he's like, well, I kind of think that I just want to wow people. And then mm. it's up to them to oh, give no. the tip or anything. And I was like, oh, okay, let's have a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like, let's not, let's not do yes, that anymore. <laughs> let's not undervalue ourselves so that the yeah. bar is low. And then, right. you know, we wow people because that, that, goes into that, I have to prove myself. So yes, right. you always want to over deliver, but yeah, not put yourself on sale, not put yeah. yourself on sale. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It just, yeah. It makes me so sad when I hear that because I'm like, Oh my God, like you could be, you could be charging so much more because yeah. you're worth it. You know, your work is worth it. And it's yeah. so needed. So, it's so yeah. needed. Well, I want to talk about the, the masterclass you did bridging the gap because I think it's such a timely thing for coaches, but honestly, all people who just want to be better at working with other people (laughs) to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So bridging the, bridging the gap masterclass was a masterclass that me, that me and a few of my, um, biz besties in the online coaching space, um, Tamasha Suber and Elise K. Um, and we created it because we wanted to create like a spark and intentional, um, conversation. It was, it was a 90 minute masterclass and sparking a conversation, spark a conversation about how to, um, promote and just have like just long lasting change when it comes to collaboration. And just when it comes to, um, having those relationships and thriving in relationships and community with one another in the online entrepreneur space. And so we had it last night and it was incredible. So I think with what's happening right now with the current civil rights movement is there is, um, there are many white people that are feeling the white guilt and that want to go and learn, right? Mm-hmm. And learn all the things. And I am all about that because we've been screaming this shit into the void forever. <laughs> so I am happy, right? I am happy that it is finally happening, right? So let's get to work. And so 
Um, we noticed that in the online entrepreneur space, there were many masterclasses that are being held by amazing, amazing anti-racism educators, such as Simone McNish, um, Trudy LeBron, mm-hmm. um, you know, Rachel Cargill, just so many, so many amazing people, Rachel Ricketts. And so we were like, you know what, we want to offer this from a different perspective um, because we know we're not anti-racism um, educators. And so that's not going to, that's not our lane. And we like to stay in our lane. <laughs> so we wanted to provide this masterclass just create this conversation um, just about how this is, uh, okay, you, you're learning all the things. You're mm-hmm. trying to implement all the things. You're scrambling essentially, right? So this, so this masterclass is for white coaches, black coaches, non-black people of color. And we wanted to create it just to provide this other perspective of, okay, you're learning all the things, you're digesting all the things, but now how do we all work together? Um, And so it was super powerful. There were about, I think, 86 people registered for it and 62 showed up live, which is incredible. Um, And it was just an amazing, beautiful, healing conversation. And um, I think it was healing and it was what needed to happen, especially with just all of the turmoil. And then you log on to Facebook, you log on to Instagram and, you know, there's just, there's a lot of pain. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of pain and justifiably so. And so we wanted to make sure that our masterclass just really served as a bridge, um, as a here, like let's join together. You're going to do the work. We're going to do our part. Um, We've been doing it, but we're going to, you know, link arms with you. And let's make sure that this change is truly long lasting because the racism has got to end. And um, yeah, so that's where that's where the masterclass was really um, born out of. Um, So we wanted to address just um, in our own ways, the pain, the division, the racism, the tokenism, the anger, the calling out, the calling in, all of that. And so my portion of the masterclass was on the mindset shift needed for online entrepreneurs to truly thrive in relationship and community with one another. And I specifically spoke on just the emotional infrastructure Mm. that all of us are going to have to have in order to recognize that more healing needs to be done. Because sometimes when we're engaging in these conversations, sometimes we're just not ready to. Yeah. And yes, it's about imperfect action. I am 100% in agreement with that. And I'm also all about radical responsibility. And if you know that emotionally you're not in a place to really, you know, let's say you're a person of color or you're black um, and you know that you're not in a, you're not in a space to educate anyone regarding this because you're just tired, mm-hmm. right? Like how, how are you going to, you know, what if you're not quite sure yeah. about what, you know, what you need to look out for, right. To make sure that you're managing your own emotions. And I would say the same thing for, you know, white people and white people that are, um, on the journey to be an anti-racist. And before you, you know, publicly call out someone, are you doing the work internally and calling out yourself? Yeah. Because I'm going to tell you what, it is so easy to point out someone else that's doing something and fucking up than it is to look at how you in whatever ways in the last week, how you've upheld the system, you know, the Mm -hmm. systemic um, racism that's occurring right now in, in the United States. And so, um, is it okay if I go into some of the topics we discussed? Yes, or I'd love that. Okay, yeah. So I wanted to give you guys just some um, tidbits of some of the things that were discussed in last night's masterclass from my portion. Um, the whole thing was incredible. But I talked about just knowing the difference, whether you need therapy versus hiring another coach. Mm-hmm. Because what I'm also noticing is that there are sometimes people who are not quite aware of what that difference is. And so they don't know when this is a therapeutic 
trauma-related issue versus a coaching issue. And I think that that's going to be paramount when you are wanting to engage in more of these conversations and you're wanting to maybe even being an ally and wanting to just like help, you know, wanting to just forward the movement and crush white supremacy. It's going to be important to recognize when there is intergenerational trauma speaking, Mm -hmm. when there is, you know, um, hurt, you know, speaking, when it's pain that's actually speaking. Um, Not to say that your words aren't valid because they are, but I think that it takes more of your emotional energy. And so I just want to make sure that all of us are emotionally equipped to have these tough conversations. So being able to recognize when you need therapy versus when you need to hire another coach, Um, because what you don't want to do is continue bypassing those feelings and those emotions, because this is heavy shit. This is heavy shit. And yes, you know, black people, um, people of color have been living this for a long time, but this is, you know, for many white people, this is the first time they've ever talked about this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to need to know when you need to go to therapy. Um, the next is that you're going to need to realize how trauma shows up in our conversations with others, how trauma shows up in our conversations with others. So oftentimes we don't realize how the trauma we've experienced before and maybe may or may, may not have dealt with is really what's, what's speaking. And it has nothing to do with the conversation and everything to do with what you've gone through that you haven't like healed from or you're not in the process of healing from. So I think that's really something else that's important to um, be able to identify is when trauma is showing up in how you converse with other people, how you interpret events that are happening, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the next mindset shift I talked about was basic communication skills. Many people I'm realizing in the last few weeks, they lack basic communication skills. They lack being able to have the courage even to say, "Mm, I want to clarify what you meant by that. Tell me what that means. This is what I heard, but tell me what, but tell me what your intention was. And I think that that's also important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Basic communication skills, what you say and how you say it, it matters. It really does matter. The next mindset shift I talked about was intention versus impact. You know, our intentions can be the best. They can be lovely, but but not very effective. (laughs) But not very effective, you know? And so I think that that's something a lot of, you know, a lot of white America is also realizing right now is that the intentions for some people were probably really good, but the impact was something else. And people remember how you made them feel. People remember how you made them feel, um, whether you intended for that to happen or not, which is, it's powerful. I think that that's important because a lot of people, I think, use their intentions as an apology, but I didn't intend to. And it doesn't make the other person feel understood. So yeah, just be... Intentions are amazing, but just match them with action. I just wanted to back that one up. Yeah. Yes. Match it with action. Absolutely. Um, And I think as well, another mindset shift is I think it's going to be important to be uncomfortable. It's going to be important for all of us collectively to be in a state of discomfort when we are (laughs) crushing white supremacy. This is not comfortable shit. This is not comfortable for me to talk about. It's not comfortable for me to address. It's not comfortable for me to relive. It's not comfortable at all. And I think that I definitely have heard from some of my 
some of my amazing white friends that it's just, it's just, just uncomfortable. And it, you feel like you're walking on eggshells and you feel like damned if you do, damned if you don't. But my, my reaction is it's okay to be uncomfortable. Who said that it's normal to be uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. Why was that the, the norm, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so those are some of the things that we talked about in that masterclass. And I really think it could be such a beautiful thing if your listeners were so inclined to um, purchase it. The replay is up for sale. Yeah. And- yeah, I can send that to you. Um, I can send you the link for it. It's okay. in my, my educational platform that I use. I use Kajabi. So I can definitely send you that link to put it in the show notes. Um, but I think it, I think Perfect. it could just be, it's just a beautiful conversation to have. Mm-hmm. And I think the conversation itself was just so healing and everybody got off the call. They had me start because I tend to be more blunt, <laughs> more direct, <laughs> but the whole end goal was love. And yeah. I think that whoever ends up purchasing it, you're just going to feel like you were just like swaddled yeah. <laughs> in a freaking hug, which I think is just so beautiful and also so needed right now. It is needed. I, you know, I've learned a lot from Instagram posts and reading and all of that, but my biggest learnings, especially the past two weeks have been in conversations with black people Mm -hmm. and people of color, that one-on-one just conversation, just really seeing, really seeking to understand and just listening. And it's been beautiful. It's been, and you do such a good job of it. Oh, like, thanks. <laughs> you do such a good job navigating those conversations. <laughs> Holy crap, I love it. Well, I, love it. I definitely have messed up and probably will mess up again. But I just, for sure, for I, sure. I know yeah. that human beings, we just so all need to be seen. And it's the biggest, you know, I, this is a massive opportunity to break down systematic injustices, and yes. it's a massive opportunity for healing a yes. big, big, big portion of humanity. So I, I agree. as much as we're doing the external changes and breaking down systems and yep. that kind of more masculine energy, I just am committed to holding that feminine energy of listening, yes. holding space, vulnerability, cry your tears. Like f- let's feel this because we Beautiful. don't want to brush any of this under the rug. We do not. Mm-mm. I agree. Mm-mm. I agree. Mm-mm. Well, uh, uh, you're amazing. Thank you so much amazing. for this conversation. Where can people go and get all the things from you? They can follow you on Instagram. They can go to your website. Where can people yeah. connect with you? Yeah, you can connect with me. I am most active on Instagram. So holla at your girl. My name is Topsy Vandenbosch and that'll be in the show notes as well. Yep. T-O-P-S-I-E Vandenbosch, very Dutch, V-A-N-D-E-N-B-O-S-C-H. Um, and then my website is topsyvandenbosch.com, which will also be in the show notes as well. And come and say hi. Let me know that you heard the podcast episode. Let me know what you enjoyed about it. I would love to hear from you. Mm. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. 